Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Hi, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Huge hour on the way, which will include one of my absolute favorites with Michigan, Ohio State, uh, coming up this weekend in one of the biggest games ever. It's the first time they both go into it unbeaten since 2006. Michigan legend Dan Deardorff will join me. Obviously, everybody knows Dan. He was the voice of Monday Night Football and then CBS uh, talking about the NFL for pretty much my entire lifetime. But he is also a Michigan legend, and he does the games on the radio in Ann Arbor. So he is as uh, connected to the team as you can possibly be. So we'll talk to Dan towards the end of this hour and do some Uh, college football as we look ahead to this weekend with him. I also have the question of the day going right now. It is very simple. It's on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny. Cast your vote. If you were the coach of the Jets, who would be your starting quarterback this Sunday? Would it be Zach? Would it be Flacco? Would it be Mike White? I will close the voting towards the end of this hour, and you will let us know what you think. I also want to say one other thing, because Bubba is such a doofus that he played in, in, quote, celebration of the anniversary of the butt fumble. He mm. played the soundbite from it today, and we are working on the sanctions that he will face as a result of that. Do you know what else today is the anniversary of that is much more worthy of your attention, Bubba? Do you know? Can I tell you? Yeah, no. What do we got? Today is Billie Jean King's 79th birthday. Oh, wow. And a Billie Jean King, whom I have had the great privilege and pleasure to meet, and when I tell you, I introduced her, the, the, the story of how I met her is, fa- is a fascinating one. At the U.S. Open, maybe five years ago, they were presenting her with some honor, and they asked me to introduce her. So I went out there, and they give me, you know, usually they'll give you like a little note card with, um, you know, stuff that they want you to say in, when introducing a person. They literally hand me her bio and say, choose anything from this that you want. When you read a biography, like I've introduced a lot of people, but I've never seen on the biography chosen by Time magazine as one of the 10 most important Americans of the 20th century. (laughs) Like that is a ridiculous thing. But we've been doing some research on her for our upcoming book. And here's my favorite thing I can tell you about Billie Jean King. You ready for this? Bubba Nuno, you're going to love this. When Billie Jean King won Wimbledon the first time, do you know what first place was? Do you know what she received as her prize for winning Wimbledon? $10,000. She got a certificate for clothing. <laughs> what? I swear I'm not making that up. First prize for the women at Wimbledon, singles, wow. was a certificate for clothing. By the time her career was done... She had led the fight for women to be paid exactly as much as the men for winning major championships like the U.S. Open because of the WTA, which she founded. So you could make a list. I'm not going to debate Americans, uh, the 10 most important people in sports history, and she is unquestionably on it. So happy birthday to Billie Jean King. Yeah, I, think, a, I think the most important thing we're realizing here is the show celebrates anniversaries. And, no. And that's what we do. So, no, great call on that. Great call on the butt fumble. We're all having a great time. No, Good no. Job. Billie Jean's birthday is worthy of celebration sure you yeah. playing the um, the butt fumble soundbite is worthy of sanctions and you mm. will be sanctioned 
I saw. I said I, I'll, I won't do Friday. Uh, to be clear, no, no, that's a that's a that that's like a, a for you. I know you. That that that's like a not having to work the day after Thanksgiving is not a sanction. Here's what <laughs> we're going to do. Now you are working. That's what's going to happen. We're going to make you work on Friday plus Saturday and Sunday and every day from now until the rest of your life until next year's anniversary of this. So you have start, I've got to figure out some sanctions because this cannot go unpunished. All right, next uh, order of business here. The scoop. The most likely matchup, according to FPI, would be the best Super Bowl ever, which is to say, right now, our analytics suggest that the AFC champion likeliest is going to be... The Kansas City Chiefs. And the NFC champion likely is going to be... <sighs> the Dallas Cowboys. Bubba, Kansas City, Dallas is the likeliest Super Bowl. Can you imagine anything better... Then seeing the Cowboys, America's team, back for the first time in a quarter century, all the attention that would get, all the excitement that would get, this incredible pass rush, Micah Parsons, against freaking Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> who was the generational player of his time, who would be looking for his second Super Bowl. We all understand the importance of that and everything else. That would be the best Super Bowl matchup ever. Now, it doesn't mean it would be the best game. We never know how these games are going to go. But I don't think you could have ever... You go back and you go into the hype, the buildup. I'm not sure what could be a better hype game than this is. Than this would be if we get it. I want you to guess what we have as the hypothetical point spread of that game. Because we can do that too. So we have a hypothetical point spread on Kansas City, Dallas, just on a, on a neutral site, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that, that would be a neutral field. Right, of course. I'm going to say Kansas City minus three and a half. It's only one and a half. We have Kansas City as a one and a half point favorite. Our model loves Dallas right now. Loves There's a lot to love. They're very good. And the main reason that they don't get the love they deserve is because they have a quarterback that people, for whatever reason, don't want to give the credit. Dak Prescott is an excellent NFL quarterback. I don't want to get into a debate over elite. We have made the word elite like a pejorative. We use it to fight. Well, he's not elite. What the hell does elite mean? Is elite three people? Okay, if three people are elite, then he's not elite. If 10 people are excellent, he's excellent. There aren't 10 better quarterbacks than him in the National Football League. There aren't. Someone name them. Go ahead. Start naming names. Who's, who's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott right now? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's one. Tom Brady. That's two. Patrick Mahomes. That's three. Justin Herbert. Are you, are you right now sure, Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert, who has not won anything. People want to keep looking at Dak at all the games he hasn't won. Has Justin Herbert had a winning record? If Justin Herbert was on the Cowboys right now and Dak was not. Well, and if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we would all have a lovely Christmas. Justin how Herbert. Else, how else do we evaluate that? Then who, how else do you evaluate that? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Trevor Lawrence was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time also. So don't tell me Justin Herbert. I get it. He looks the part. You said name names. I'm just naming names. There's no way Justin Herbert right now is a better quarterback quarterback than Dak Prescott. If if, if that is true, then he has the worst coach ever. That's what's going to happen is that Sean Payton is going to be the coach of the Chargers and they're going to be great because I do love Justin Herbert, but go ahead. Okay. Tua. No way. Tua, you're right now ready to say Tua is better than Dak Prescott. I'm just naming names. But Nuno, right now, take your hatred for the Cowboys out of the equation. I'm giving you one quarterback to take your team through a playoff run. You're taking Dak or Tua. Who you got? You're taking Dak. Yeah, absolutely. You give Dak an Olympic track team to throw the ball to, and he'll look pretty good, too. Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen, yes. I'm going down the QBR leaderboard Go here. Ahead. Geno Smith. No. Geno, I mean, look, I, he's having a great year. God bless him. I'm happy for him. I'm nowhere in the world I'm saying Geno Smith is better than Dak. How about Jalen Hurts? 
No, I'm not ready to say Jalen Hurts is better than Dak. He's trending that way. Jalen Hurts has been magnificent. I, I think I need more than a 10-game sample because he has never looked like this before. Now, I am definitely buying into Jalen Hurts. I think he's tremendous. He may be the most improved player I've ever seen, uh, and he gets the majority of the credit for that, and then the organization gets a lot of credit for it too. But I'm not ready to say right now he's better than Dak Prescott. How about Joe Burrow? Yeah, I think Burrow is. How about Matthew Stafford, who won the Super Bowl last year? No. Matthew Stafford is not better than Dak Prescott. He's not. He's not. Jimmy Garoppolo. Hell no. Tyler Murray. Definitely not. Russell Wilson. Mac Jones. Keep trying. Ryan Tannehill. I think we're done here. Justin Fields. Lamar Jackson. I said Lamar, didn't I? No, no, you didn't say Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. No, Lamar is better. Yeah, he is. But I don't think, I don't think we're at 10, no matter what. One, You're two, at three, six. three, four, five, six. That's six, is my point. And let's even give you some of the maybes. If I gave you Justin Herbert and Matt Stafford, he'd still be nine. Like, where do you want the kid to be? So, we love, here's what we love to do. We love to talk up the Cowboys, and then we love to tear them down. Dak Prescott is a terrific NFL quarterback. He's not a quarterback you win with. Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback you win with. The 49ers are really good. Their coach is elite, and they win with Jimmy Garoppolo because he is exactly an average quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is, it's not the Mendoza line because the Mendoza line stinks. What's average? A replacement player is a winner, is war, is a replacement player an average player, whatever the exact average is? Yeah, a, a player that you could plug in, a player from AAA, and get the same thing. A replacement-level player. That's Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, so that's not average. That. So he's way better than that. Right. I'm trying to think, so, what's average? Whatever average is, Jimmy Garoppolo is average. He's a, league, he's average a, a league average starter. Dak is way better than that. He's better than Kirk Cousins? Yes. Way better than Kirk Cousins. Not even close. Kirk Cousins has Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. He hasn't won a damn thing. Ever. They just lost. Dak just beat him 40-3 to and went 22 of 25. And, and, and Yes, Dak is way better than him. What I'm saying is you're not going to get to 10. Let's even say I'll give you some of the pushes. I'll give you Justin Herbert. I'm if not giving you Stafford. There's okay. no way Matthew, Matthew Stafford is better than Dak Prescott. So what you're saying, so let's figure out that cutoff point. I'm giving then. you Herbert. He's, so we, I'm going to make him eight. So, One, two, three, four, wh- five, six, seven. What I'm you're saying is... Like and that's, that's Rodgers and Brady also, who we're, we're, we're putting in there on reputation. True. Now, deservedly so. They're two of the, the great... They're in the top ten all time. Right. So I'm even willing to give you them. But a year from now, those guys are probably gone. What I'm trying to do, though, is just find the baseline of how good do you have to be for your team to still be able to win. If you think he's better than Stafford, they just won the thing last year. This Cowboys roster, front to back, is better than the Rams. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo has been like one play away from winning the Super Bowl. You can be <laughs> right. a, a, a league average starter. What you can't do, I don't think anymore, is win the Super Bowl with a bad quarterback. But I think you can win it if you're, if you're otherwise excellent with a good quarterback. And Dak Prescott is better than that. That's the point. That's they, why the Cowboys have a chance. Can they run the table as the five seed is my question. I don't know that they're going to have to, Hembo. We did it yesterday. They have four consecutive winnable games. I forgot what they are already. Do you know them in your head, uh, Bubba? We did this yesterday. Well, I know the next three are Giants, Colts, Texans. And I forget who the fourth one is. And then is. the fourth one I think is Jacksonville. Yeah, that's, yeah it is Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. So before they the get, first three are at home for they sure. They should too. win those four games before they deal with the Eagles. All the Eagles have to do is lose one of those because once in the meantime, then the, if the Cowboys beat them in their own building, mm-hmm. now the season series is a split, and I don't know what the next tiebreaker is going to yeah, be. It becomes the, and 
uh, all of that. Who was the Eagles lost to? It was not in the division, right? Yes, it was. It was Washington. So they have an additional uh, loss in the division. I don't know what the Cowboys in division record is. But one way or another, look, I like the Cowboys. I think they have an excellent chance. so pivotal, though. 21 of the last 22 teams to reach the Super Bowl won their division. The only one that didn't was Tampa in 2020. And in order to get to the Super Bowl that year, they didn't even have to play in front of full stadiums. Like that buy is going to be enormous. It is going to determine almost single-handedly who is the favorite to come out of each conference. Yeah, they didn't have to play in stadiums because of COVID. Right. Right? It's, it's, it's a reasonable point. Okay. I will right, we'll see. One way or another, that would be an awesome Super Bowl, and I hope it happens. Uh, you know what? You know what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination? It's because they offer free battery testing and charging and reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99, and they've always got your battery solution. Get in the zone with AutoZone. It was nice to talk about other things besides Zach Wilson. We will have have more on that as we go. Continue casting your vote and don't miss Dan Deardorf as we continue this hour on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, I'm Greeny. Uh, I am presented by Progressive Insurance. We are live every day from the seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. Quickly correct myself. Dan Deardorff was going to join us in about 15 minutes. He doesn't do the Michigan games anymore. I guess he retired from that after last year, but he's still uh, extremely associated with them. And so we'll talk Michigan, Ohio State, and a whole lot more with the great Dan Deardorff. Here's something else I just would like to point out. You know, Nuno, there are some things in sports that people just say, and we know they're not telling you the truth. Like, there's no way this is true. So as we were sitting here during this break, I got an email. Ben Simmons is in Philadelphia. The Nets play at the Sixers tonight. 
And the quote attached to Ben Simmons is, quote, it feels good to be back, end quote. No, it doesn't. There's no way in hell it feels good to be back. It feels awful to be back. You hated it so much there, and they hated you so much that you literally couldn't play for an entire year in Philadelphia. This is not even meant as a criticism as much as it is an obvious. This is one of those moments where you shouldn't even ask the question. Like, once he says that, you should be like, okay, fine, thanks. Let's just go talk to somebody else. You just said it. You have to say it. I get it. What's he going to say? It feels awful. I'm incredibly upset about it. I'm very nervous about it. I I mean, there's nothing he can say. He's going to get booed like there's never been booing before in the history of anything. Get it out of the way. The next time it'll be less significant and all the rest of that. This is the way this works. He's one of many players who've been in this position in the NBA. He's the next one. But under no circumstances does it feel good to be back in Philadelphia. But Zach Wilson should take a page out of his book right. and just say the thing that you say. Right. That's what he should do. That's it. No, but he does, though, because no Embiid, no Harden, no Maxi. So it feels great. You're playing well. The Sixers are undermanned. You're probably going to blow them out. So you're going to enjoy the moment. That's why he can say that. He is not going to enjoy the moment. There, there, there will be zero enjoyed moments when he gets to experience that fan base at its absolute best. Well, but they're not playing, and they're not running no out onto the plays. court. No, I get that. But, I mean, LeBron's first game back in Cleveland, he dominated. Like, if, if, if Nuno makes the right point. Like, this, if the Sixers had uh, Embiid out there, it would be a different conversation. But Maxi is hurt. Embiid is hurt. They're all banged up. So, once the game st- – like, the pregame stuff, the vitriol, all of that. But Simmons, he's doing the right thing. But get this out of the way. Yeah. Like, don't avoid this, because it has to come eventually – If you're going to continue, he's going to have a long career in the NBA. It's not like he's never going back to Philadelphia. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid and get on with your life. You you often used to talk about like the no-boo list, of course, right? Like Ben Simmons definitely does not rise to that level for you here, right? Like If you're a fan of Philadelphia, you're totally good with him giving him hell for 48 minutes. Are you kidding? I mean, of course. I would wear out a lung booing him if I was from Philadelphia. The no-boo list is like Tom Brady should never be booed at New England. Uh, Derek Jeter, I mean, he never played anywhere else, but should never be booed in New York. Um, he was on occasion. So was Aaron Judge. They, they should take the, these people's tickets away. Like, you should just take your tickets away. If you're a Yankee fan and you're booing Derek Jeter, then you don't deserve to be there. Aaron Judge will, uh, will never be booed in San Francisco. Well, so that brings us then. All right, we're going to do it. I'm ready to go right now. Green Light, green light. with Greeny. Let me get a quick green light in here because you told me this morning in the office this could wind up being one of the most important days we've seen in baseball in a long time. Why? Because the next decade of Yankee baseball will be informed by what happens today in San Francisco. Not just Yankee baseball, but everybody baseball, well, right? Well, sure. Of course. But that's obviously the, obviously the team that will be most directly impacted by his decision to potentially leave the team. And right now, today, later today, he is meeting in San Francisco with the Giants brass. And the Giants are widely believed to be the team that is going to outbid the Yankees for his services. And on the face, it kind of makes some sense. We know he's a Northern California kid who grew up rooting for them. We know they're looking for a face of the franchise in the post-Buster Posey years. We know amongst all the big market teams in the sport, they have far and away the most money to spend. And they can make him a godfather offer. The San Francisco Giants are going to offer Aaron Judge something like $40 million a year which is going to be so much greater than what the Yankees offered him a year ago. And given all that we know and given all that we heard, I think they have as good a chance as anybody to bring him home. Who, wh- how many years? 40 times what? I think that will be the determining factor. I would not be surprised if they went 
eight, nine, or 10 years, if that's what's required. They have no financial commitments to anyone. They can, get, they can make him their very bonds. Only once, only once as a player, won the MVP and then left as a free agent the next year. And it was Barry Bonds who went from Pittsburgh to the San Francisco Giants. They've already run that play. I expect them to do it again. He's 30 years old. Would you, if you were making the decision, I got my trivia, not my trivia, my poll question today, what should the Jets coach do? Now I'm making you a baseball general manager. Would you offer a 30-year-old Aaron Judge 10 years and $40 million a year? I would not. But I think that's what it will take. What is history? Well, what it would take and what would be worth doing are Mm -hmm. two totally different things. What does history tell us about these long-term contracts? Almost always a bad deal for the team and almost always a good deal for the player. If the the, the San Francisco, we use the Giants as as our team here. They're not paying for a single game in his 20s. Not one. Albert Pujols' contract in L.A. was the reason that Mike Trout hasn't had any luck at all and made nothing else possible. We saw the Mariners make a massive mistake with Robinson Cano, who came from the Yankees. We saw the Tigers make a massive mistake with Miguel Cabrera. They still haven't recovered. On balance, if you sign a 30-something to a massive contract, you're just making a bad decision and you're punting years of your franchise down the road and hoping that in the short term you somehow make up for it. So what you're saying is that the Yankee fan, like Nuno should be hoping that he leaves. As devastating as that will be in the immediate, you're saying in the long-term best interest of the franchise that he should be hoping that Judge signs with San Francisco. That's exactly what I'm saying. You, you, what you're hoping for is that the Giants makes him an offer that he just cannot refuse. The Yankees shrug their shoulders and invest all of that money in a bunch of other people. That, I think, is the best-case scenario for the Yankees long-term. Nuno, how do you feel about that? Um, Well, that's a great idea if they actually were to do that, right? I just don't trust this regime to actually to go out and, if they don't spend that money on Judge, to actually spend it on other pieces. I know in today's piece are a bunch of our MLB uh, experts and insiders like Buster. You know, Buster put the number at, you know, nine years, 360. That's mm. what he thinks the Yankee Man. deal will end up being, which is $40 million a year. Uh, I just, I can't see them letting him walk away. And if they do, I don't know what this team does to actually make the fans feel like they know what they're doing. Greeny, there's one other factor here that needs to be mentioned as it relates to Aaron Judge, who I think fundamentally is a bad investment because he's just a massive person with a massive strike zone to cover, and that's a really tough thing to do when you're 38 years old making $40 million. But at some point during the life of that contract, we're going to get an automatic strike zone. And there is no player in baseball that will benefit more from that than Aaron Judge. He gets victimized by more calls that are not strikes to him than anybody else in baseball because that strike zone is theoretically so big. If that does wind up happening in the next, say, two or three years, Aaron Judge goes from being someone who will not age well at all to someone who all of a sudden looks a lot more attractive later in that contract. Hmm. Okay, so that's something to keep an eye on. And, and we, are, we feel confident that the automated strike zone is coming? Most definitely in the life of that contract. I don't know if it's going to be the next two or three years, but it's most definitely going to be in the next four or five. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving, which means a lot of traditions. Most people, most families have their own Thanksgiving traditions. My personal favorite Thanksgiving tradition is that every year, two days later, Michigan and Ohio State play each other in football, and I get to move on from the uh, frequent insanity that is my family, and, and, and I get to go and enjoy a really interesting college football game, and very rarely, even in the storied history, of this matchup has it had greater meaning than it does this year as both teams go into it unbeaten for the first time since 2006. And if you're going to talk about this game, you need to talk about it with one of the true legends in the history of Michigan football and football in general. Our friend Dan Deardorff is back with us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Dan Deardorff. Good morning, Greeny. Jeez, uh, you threw a curveball at me there. I figured you wanted to talk about the Northwestern game. <laughs> well, we play Illinois, and, and that is big. It's for the Land of Lincoln trophy, the hat. <laughs> and, and, uh, we, we give the winner a, a hat, uh, like Abe Lincoln's hat. And it is all a big, right. We've had a very, we've had a very challenging season to this point, Dan. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, we haven't won, we haven't won a game on American soil, but I'm hopeful that uh, we did. We won one game in Ireland in August, and um, and I'm really hopeful that this week we knock off our rivals, and we'll see how that I really goes. Ap- I really apologize for bringing that up. The saddest part of all this is that he didn't even know how bad our season was. He was just yeah. trying to make a, a harmless joke. And oh, so- no, no, no. I've seen a few games. Oh, yeah. Scintillating as they are. Uh, yeah. uh, between that and my quarterback of my pro football team, Dan, I'm having a very a challenging little moment here, and I wanted to have a delightful escape with one of my all-time favorite legends. All right. And thus let's far, get, let's get to it. Yeah, we're not off to a great start. Anyway, it is a pleasure, uh, as always, to, to hear your voice. And there's a million places we can go. But let's start with the game. I mean, this game always means everything to both teams. And this year, it literally means everything. How, how, give, us, give us your sense of the game and, and your expectations and any other thoughts that are on your mind. Well, I, I just remember uh, uh, leaving Michigan Stadium last year and thinking uh, the countdown clock has already started. Mm. Uh, and that's the way it is in this rivalry. You know uh, that every day in Columbus, they've just been chafing since what happened in Ann Arbor last year. And you're right. This game is for all the marbles. Uh, both teams undefeated, which 
hasn't happened since back in 2006, a game that has uh, a lot of very uh, melancholy feelings for me because that was the game that was played the day after Bo Schembechler died. Mm-hmm. And, but those were two undefeated teams back in 06 in Columbus, and uh, here we go again. I, I, and, you know, with the Big Ten realigning, Greeny, in 2024 and USC and Southern Cal coming in, you just got to wonder what changes are potentially on the table. Well, one certainly hopes that well, one would assume this game doesn't go away, but obviously its meaning will be impacted one way or another to everyone outside. Hopefully within the rivalry, it stays the same. Let me just quickly get your take on this. Uh, and again, for those who don't know, and Dan did the radio on, on the Michigan games for years after he retired from CBS and everything else. So you're still very close to the situation. Um, what, are, what are your feelings on, on the conference realignment, realignment in general and in particular the Big Ten bringing in the two glasses? programs from the west coast well you know i'm not i it's not bringing in ucla and usc uh, for, i i'm just not a fan of the direction we seem to be headed where we're liable to end up with two super conferences mm-hmm. and college football becomes nfl light mm-hmm. uh, that 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 disturbs me i i hate to see that happen of what's going to happen to the MAC, what's going to happen to these lesser conferences, because it's uh, you you might end up with the SEC and the Big Ten, and in reality, the only thing that really matters in the college football world is what happens uh, uh, between those two conferences. It does feel like it's heading that way, and and I agree. Um, you know, in so many ways, it is. I don't think it's the best thing for the sport, but it, I think it is inevitable. And I do my best to not try and push back against things that you can see are coming. So this seems to be coming. Dan Deardorff with us. Yep. Well, let me get your favorite memory of all the the Michigan Ohio State games you played in. What what is the the most memorable thing that stands out for you from your playing career? Well, when I was a junior at Michigan, it was. Bo Schembechler's first year at Michigan. And, uh, uh, you know, he had coached at Ohio State. Uh, The Michigan roster, when I was at Michigan, was pretty much made up of the same uh, breakdown every year. Uh, 25% of the guys were from Michigan. Uh, 25% were from greater Chicago. And 50% were from the state of Ohio. Mm. Uh, That's that's one of the reasons that the Ohio state Michigan rivalry has evolved into what it is. It's because of the Ohio influence, uh, in Ann Arbor, uh, from players, from coaches. And, uh, they're, you know, they, they, they don't want to admit it, but the two programs have a lot in common. And, and so tell me about the game. Do you, do you, well, the game, all these years later, the how well do you remember? Quite simply, uh, Ohio state was, the defending national champions, they were undefeated the year before. They were undefeated coming into Ann Arbor. I believe their average margin of victory was like 36 points. Uh, they were, that was Rex Kern, Jim Otis, uh, Jack Tatum, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And we were 17-point underdogs, and, and we beat them 24-12 mm. in Bo's first game playing his mentor, Woody Hayes. And it it really kind of kick-started the modern era of Michigan football. From that game on, it was nothing but sellouts. It started the Bo Woody 10-year war. It, uh, it was a game that had really 
a lot of historical consequences. Oh, I love it's it's one of my absolute favorite stories. And and for those who don't know the history of sports, um, I don't know. I grew up loving all of it. I mean, Woody Hayes once famously in a game that they had already salted away against Michigan, they asked why he went for two late in the game when it was just pouring salt in the wound. And he said, because they wouldn't let me go for three. So yeah, that, that was the year before. <laughs> oh, that was, that's the year that was, before that, you were there. Uh, no, that was the year before our 69 game. I was oh, a, I got you. a sophomore when Woody, I mean, that was a sensational football team he had put together and you're right. Uh, and you know what? I'm fine with that. They, yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that makes it rich. So this year, I don't think – last year, Michigan had this magnificent magic carpet ride of a season. It wasn't quite as much foreseen as uh, this year's team has been, but they had the game at home. How much of a difference does that make with this game being played in Columbus? There's the injury to the running back for Michigan, which obviously is a major factor. What are your expectations for Saturday? Well, you know, we, we have two teams that are of contrasting styles. Uh, we know we cannot beat Ohio State. Uh, in a shootout, uh, they've they've too explosive. They've got too much firepower. Uh, the only way we can beat them is to do what we did in Ann Arbor last year, and that is to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's what we did last year. Hassan Haskins ran for five touchdowns. We monopolized the clock defensively on the line of scrimmage. Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo ran all over Ohio State's offensive line. That it's no secret. That's our recipe this year, and uh, unfortunately, we just have a lot of question marks because we really are dependent on Blake Corum, our tremendous running back who banged up his knee last week. And you, you can't ask any Michigan person about what they think about Saturday without the first thought that comes to their mind: Well, how's Blake Corum, and is he going to be able? to be effective. That, that, it's a shame. I hate to see anything like that play a major factor in this. Greeny and Dan Deardorff, who's here with us. Let's, let's just take a quick moment, if I can, on Jim Harbaugh, because I'm old enough to remember when people wanted to run him out of town on a rail, and, and now here he is, and he's lost, what, two games in the last two seasons combined? One of them, the crazy comeback against Michigan State last year, and then obviously in the national semifinal a year ago, and hasn't lost a game this year. How about the job that Harbaugh has done there? He's done a wonderful job. Um, you know, I, I, I can't lie. Uh, like every other Michigan fan, I was distressed at his little dalliance with the Minnesota Vikings. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was bad timing, to say the least, and threw everybody into a 30-day holding pattern. Um, I hope that's the end of that. But just coaching, uh, let's be realistic. Jim... Jim is a, a kind of a, uh, a unique guy in the sense everybody knows he was a quarterback, and yet he coaches like he played fullback or middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you'd think as a former quarterback, a great game for him would be the QB to throw the ball 40 times. Instead, it's three tight ends. It's bruising football. It's pound the rock. And uh, he really is a disciple 
of Bo Schembechler in that regard. Yeah, Greeny and Dan Deardorff. Yeah, I covered him as a quarterback in, in the pros. I, I knew Jim when he was the quarterback of the Bears, and he's always had that mentality. And and um, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for you. We'll see what winds up happening this weekend. More than anything, I hope that it is a great game. I, I'd like to get your take on one more thing quickly while I have you, Dan. Sure. Uh, because, of course, I mean, I grew up watching you on Monday Night Football and on CBS and, and you know, the NFL backwards and forwards. So the team that I root for, the New York Jets, we have this young quarterback, and he's got everybody all upset now because he played one of the worst games you've ever seen on Sunday against Bill Belichick's Patriots, and then after the game seemed to take no accountability, a game in which his defense was magnificent, and when they asked him afterwards if he felt like he let the team down, he very, he somewhat condescendingly said no. And it seems, from what I can tell from the outside, as though the locker room is in a state of near revolt over the situation, and I just wonder if, if you could take us back to your playing days and, and that dynamic and that just sitting at the at the distance at which you sit and watching the situation play out, what thoughts come to your mind going back to your days as a tough offensive lineman? Well, it just all goes back to being part of a team and what that means to be a part of a team. And what that means is shared responsibilities. Uh, uh, you share the pat on the back. And, and, and you don't share the criticism. Uh, and it just seems to me that he just doesn't understand the nature of playing quarterback, uh, uh, which means uh, you get too much praise when the team wins and you get too much criticism when the team loses. But that's part of the job. And if you don't understand that, what are you doing playing quarterback? Uh, play tight end. Or play another job, and that's that's the only distressing part. I I just wonder how he made it this far, made it all the way to becoming a starter in the National Football League, and apparently doesn't comprehend everything that comes with being an NFL quarterback. Uh, you take the fall, whether it's your fault or not. It's just part of being a leader. It's part and parcel of having the locker room follow you, and that's. You know, that's the kind of damage that can be irreparable. That That is my biggest concern, is that it may be irreparable. The, the coach seems to be mulling over whether he's going to keep his job, and I'm, like everyone else, waiting to hear what he decides to do. Dan, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Good luck on Saturday, and I hope we'll talk soon. Thank you, Michael. Great being with you, pal. Thank you. Take care. That's the great Dan Deardorff, who I grew up. I remember him as a player, not not at Michigan, of course, um, because he played there in the late 60s. I was too little. I remember him with the old St. Louis Cardinals, who was a great player on some great teams, and they were nasty. They had Conrad Dobler used to line up with them, and they were some really rough, tough teams uh, back in the day when the Cardinals were in St. Louis, and they played in the old NFC East. Uh, and then, of course, but my mo- most of my recollections of him would be from uh, Monday Night Football on ABC and then all those years with Vern on CBS. You said you had a couple of quick numbers for me on Michigan-Ohio State before we go. I do. So he mentioned how important the run game was for Michigan last year. To demonstrate that point, their offensive line created 197 rushing yards before their backs were touched. 197. Before contact. Ohio State's created 12. 197. In that game you're talking about. To 12. In yeah. that game. So that was how Michigan won last year. And that has been the formula going back as long as you want to. So each of the last 20 winners of this game, the last 20, won the rushing battle in that game. 
going back to 2001, if you outrush your opponent in this game, you've won the game. They can be playing this game for another 1,000 years. It is always going to be won and lost at the line of scrimmage. That, that's Big Ten football. I mean, I always jokingly say I like, I, I, I'm a Big Ten alum. I will always like Big Ten football. I, follow, I fully acknowledge that the quote-unquote more exciting brands of football are played to some degree in the SEC, certainly in the Big 12, these, you know, 52 to 45 <laughs> kind of games. I always say, look, I'm a Big 10 guy. I like my games 13-10. That's, I like 13-10. Everyone's nose is bleeding when the game is over. And there's snow on the ground. Like, that's football. That's, that's, that's the football I grew up liking. That's certainly the football I watched in college. And that's the football I hope that we will see this weekend. It's a, a pleasure to talk to Dan Deardorff anytime we get the chance to do it. We'll be back here tomorrow to set the table for everything. Obviously, Thanksgiving on the way. We've got the soccer that's working on right now. Nuna will continue to give us updates on all of that. And if there's any news on either Zach or Aaron Judge, Lord knows we'll have plenty to say about that as well. So have a terrific day, and we'll see you back here same time, same place tomorrow. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.